Welcome to Crossroad International Church, where it's all about Jesus. If you are in Kuwait and looking for a church to call home, we would love the opportunity to welcome you at one of our Friday services. Now, here is this week's message. Turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. I want to read verses 3 through 11. 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 11. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him And by this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would seal it in our hearts by your spirit. Open our minds and open our hearts to your word, to that still small voice of your spirit that directs us and leads us and guides us. And Father, we ask you to change us today in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So we're going to be talking today in our um, balanced spiritual growth or a balanced spiritual life um, series. Today it is obeying the commandments or obeying the word of God. You know... When we get appliances or we get a new car or you get a new computer, it comes with an owner's manual. I have purchased used cars before and the owner's manual looked like it had never been opened. That's not a good sign. You know... If we want to take care of what we have, if we want to know how to use it, look at the owner's manual. I've got a phone that I do phone calls with and I do text message with. But the owner's manual online is like 200 pages long. It does stuff that I never even dreamed a computer could do, much less a phone can do it. And I'm probably using about 10% of the capacity of the phone. 
I tried to buy a phone that you just make phone calls with. You know, they don't make them anymore, I don't think. <laughs> this phone that I bought, I listened to a 30-minute interview or um, not an interview, but a, a preview or a critique of the phone. And they went on and on and on and on and on about it, of everything it would do. And finally, the man that was the host, he asked the young man from this company, he says, I just got one question about this phone. And he said, what, did I miss something? He said, in 30 minutes, you never told me, can I make a phone call on it? Now, be honest with me. How many of you use your phone more for things other than making calls. Most of us. But see, you had to know the owner's manual. You had to do some experimentation. You have to obey what you're supposed to do for those phones to work right. And that's what we're talking about today. This is our owner's manual. This is our instruction book of how to live a spiritual life and how to grow in the things of God. Obedience is a central theme throughout Scripture. In creation, obedience was one of the major things that God spoke when He spoke to Adam and Eve. He told them what He wanted them to do, and He said, you can eat of any tree in the garden except... This one. The entire rest of history changed because of disobedience to that one command. Because they ate of it. Obedience to word, God's word is that everything we do directly are indirectly. Jesus not only said, believe me, but he also said, follow me. I know a lot of people that I've talked to that know the Bible better than I know it, but they don't live it, and it hasn't changed their life. They know the Bible so well that they can argue Scripture with you but it hasn't done anything for them because they have not applied it. God places a high premium on obedience. Parents, how many of you desire your kids to obey you? Okay, keep, keep them up for a minute. If you desire your kids to obey you, put your hand up. Now, how many of your kids obey you all the time? <laughs> how many of you are kids of God? Let me see your hand if you're a child of God. How many of you do everything God tells you all the time? So, see... We 
as parents understand what God goes through. When my kids don't obey me, when they disobey me, it hurts my heart. It grieves me when my kids disobey. And how much more does it grieve the heart of the Heavenly Father when his kids do not obey him? See, God commands us to obey, not because he is on some power trip, not because he is a slave master in heaven. God commands us to obey because he wants what is best for us. God knows what is best for us. And that's why he gives us these commandments and he gives us the things in his word and he wants us to obey because he wants what is good. He doesn't want things that would hurt us if we disobey. God's commands are not to just punish us or to restrict us, but God's commands are to increase our enjoyment because it increases our relationship with him when we walk in obedience. God's commands are not to box us in, but to protect us. There is more freedom in God, obeying what God has called us, than there is outside of God. The enemy will put you in box and hold you in captivity. But if we will walk in obedience to the word of God, we truly walk in freedom. Bonhoeffer, in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, penned these words. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus, living, the Jesus Christ, the living and the incarnate. Cheap grace means living as though God ignores or condones our sin. But forgiveness means that sin is real and we must deal with it. We cannot ignore it because God does not ignore it. The denial of sin is not grace, it is a lie. Cheap grace means living without a demand of obedience upon us. There are consequences when we break God's laws. Now, we live in a different day now than when I grew up and when some of you that are close to my age grew up. In our age, when I grew up, when I was a kid, our parents truly believed scripture spoil the rod or spare the rod spoil the child i've told you this many times my dad's favorite expression was if he applied the board of education to the seat of learning he could change my thinking you get that the board of education to the seat of learning. But, you know, nowadays that's not quite as big a deal. There's not consequences for sin like there used to be. I think that's the reason the crime rates up, the murder rates up, drug abuse, everything you name is up, up, up. 
because there seems to be no consequence for sin in the world anymore. So I want to go through these um, scriptures and give you four, five, or six realities. Let me look. Five realities from these scriptures about obedience. Number one in verse three, obedience proves our salvation. First John 2, 3. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. I know that I know that I know that I know him when I'm obedient to his word. John is saying not only can we know God, but we can have assurance that we know God. How do I know I'm saved? By the level of my obedience to the word of God. Some of us like to read scripture like I heard a man. He read it with a black marker. And any scripture he didn't agree with or he didn't like or he didn't want to do, he just marked it out. At the end of reading through the Bible, he only had about 10 or 15 verses that were still legible because the rest of it was too convicting. If you read scripture and your heart is convicted... Don't try to change scripture, change what you're doing and change your attitude so that you walk in obedience. One of the signs of knowing God is obedience. John is not saying if you want to be saved, receive God's grace or know God, obey. No. He's saying because we're saved, because we have a relationship with God, because we know him, then we walk in obedience. I didn't obey my best friend's parents all the time because I didn't live with them. I obeyed my parents. My best friend's parents very seldom ever told me something to do. Now, when I went to stay with them and was a guest there, then I obeyed everything they said, okay? But I obey my parents. I won't come to your house and tell your kids what to do because they're not my kids, they're your kids. And that's why God speaks directly to us because we are his children and he expects us to obey him. See, salvation is not conditional on obedience. Obedience is a fruit of salvation. Because I will guarantee you not one of us would be saved if our salvation was dependent on our obedience to the word. We are saved by grace. See, if salvation was based on our obedience, it would be a works 
religion, not a grace religion. How do we know that we know God? Simple test. Do you obey his word? The Bible is the final rule for faith and practice. Is the Bible the final rule, the final line, the plumb bob, so to speak, for your walk with God? And you have to be careful how you answer that because many times our church tradition takes precedent over the Word of God. Jesus even says, you have made the word of God non-effective by the traditions of men. Sometimes people, you come to church and if the songs aren't the way you think they should be sung, then you can't worship God. Or if this isn't right or that's not right or that's not the way we do it back in my church, then tradition is taking precedent over God's Word. I read, ran across this quote in one of the commentaries. Many times we keep the privileges of Christianity, like experiencing God's comfort, receiving God's forgiveness, and knowing God's guidance for everyone. Let me read that again. We keep the privileges of Christianity, experiencing comfort, God's forgiveness, and knowing his guidance, that's for everyone. But we have assigned the obligations of Christianity, like go make disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel, be generous givers, those we have reserved for a few called special Christians that God has really touched in such a way that they now have the ability to go make disciples or to go witness. But no, for everybody we can receive forgiveness. No, all of those commands are for everybody. See, everybody is to make disciples. Everybody is to go to all the world. Everybody can receive God's comfort. So it is by our obedience that we know that we know him. Verse 4, disobedience makes us liars. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. I don't think we need to spend much time on that. It's pretty evident. If you say you know him and you're not obedient, <laughs> don't go any further. Scripture says liars won't go to heaven. He's not saying that the truth is in one's head and not made it to his heart like we try to do, letting people off the hook. 
He is saying that the person who does not keep God's commandments does not know the truth at all. See, we try to say, well, you know, I've got this head knowledge, and if just somehow I can get it from up here to down here, everything will be okay. Well, if it's up here, you know what's right and wrong. Amen? It doesn't, it's not a matter of heart or head. It's a matter of do or don't. I've told the story many times, even last week, of our son, Jacob, the candy jar in the living room. He wasn't supposed to have it. He wasn't supposed to go get it without permission. Every time he would get it without permission, we'd slap his hand. No, no, no. One day I looked in the living room from the kitchen, and he's there, and he looks around, and he doesn't see anyone. And he reaches for the candy jar, and he starts slapping his hand. No, no, no. Now, that wasn't a head or a heart issue. He knew what he was supposed to do and didn't do it. Come on now. I'll get on one of my pet peeves again. There is a sign on the side of the 30, the 40, the 50, the 60, first ring, second ring, third ring, and it's this circular sign, and it has numbers in the middle of it. Anybody ever seen those, or do you ignore them? Do you know what those numbers in the middle of that circle are? Speed limit. Now, you don't have to have some revelation drop down in your heart that you're not supposed to go above that posted number. And the Japanese are really clever. They even put something in your car to remind you. Beep, beep. Now, I like the Prado because... If you ignore it long enough, it turns off. The Mazda doesn't. <laughs> so you have to, you know, if you want some cars, you have to reach up under the dash and find that little thing and pull it out. But what I'm saying here is it's not a hard issue. It's just do I do it or don't. Do I obey his word or do I forget it? Basically what he's saying here is obedience is the proof of our salvation. When a transformed life is not present, you can be certain that the person has never had the truth. So disobedience makes us liars. Number three. Obedience springs from the love of God, verse 5. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him, and by this we know that we are in him. Here he's broadening out from just the commands to obeying God's word. All of it, from the book of generations to the book of Revelation, are 
revolutions, as one guy said it, from generation to generation, from the beginning to the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. From Genesis to Revelation and everything in between, we are to obey the Word of God. To obey it, we must know it. To know it, we must read it and meditate upon it. John addresses our motives here. There are three motives for obedience that we can see. We can obey because we have to. That is a slave mentality. A slave obeys because he has to. If he doesn't obey, he will be punished. A second way is we can obey because we need to. An employee obeys because he needs to obey to get a paycheck at the end of the month, okay? Or three, we can obey because we want to. A believer obeys God's word because he wants to for the relationship between him and God is one of love. Some Christians obey the word because they feel like they're forced to. They have this picture of God as this angry taskmaster or slave owner in heaven, and he's just waiting for them to do something wrong, and lightning's going to come from heaven or something and zap them. And a lot of times that attitude or that picture of God comes from relationships that we had in earthly relationships. We don't obey God because he forces us to. We don't obey God because we need to obey him for him to bless us. We simply obey God because we love him and we don't want to hurt him. I remember growing up when my dad would apply that board of education to the seat of my learning. It hurt, but that wasn't what hurt as much as seeing the disappointment in his face of me disobeying him. And I think of that when I'm disobedient to God, how that it breaks his heart. See, when I love God, I delight to do his will because I understand the cost that was paid for that relationship. See, when I disobey God, it's like I'm just throwing the blood of Jesus out on the sidewalk, and it had no meaning. Number four in verse six, obedience characterizes our walk. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Here he says that we abide in him. We are part of him. It implies a living relationship of the deepest and closest sort 
with God through Jesus Christ. The image of abiding in him is the branch that produces the grapes abides in the vine. It is attached to the vine. It gets its nourishment from the vine. It gets everything it needs from the vine. If the branch is not abiding in the vine, it is fruitless and it dies. We need to be abiding abiding in Jesus. Everything we need is given in him. This relationship is characterized by activity and commitment and love for God's will. We live like Jesus. That cute little WWJD, it's not just a cute little phrase that we put on a bracelet. We are to live like Jesus lived, and we know how to do it because of the Word. What John is saying here is actions speak louder than words. Don't just say you love God. Don't just say you know God. Prove it. Show it by actions. Let me read you what some great saints of old evidenced their faith by their lives. Robert Chapman a brethren set before himself this great aim. He said, seeing so many preach Christ and so few live Christ, I will aim only to live Christ. Someone else said, be a witness for Jesus and use words if you have to. Let your lifestyle, let your actions be the greatest witness you have. William Arnott was a great preacher of the past, and a friend of his said, his preaching was good. His writing was better, but his life was best of all. And Murray McShane said about are not, excuse me, it was said about Murray McShane, oh, that is the most Jesus-like man I have ever seen. That should be all of our testimonies. Think about the people you work with every day. Could they testify like they did here? His preaching was okay, and what he wrote was okay, but his life is the best. Or, that's the most Jesus-like person I have ever known. The question we need to ask, are we living like Christ? Is our walk matching up with the walk of Jesus? Number five, the last one. He says, this is nothing new, verses 7 through 11. I'll read verse 7 first. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. 
The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. He said, this is nothing new. There's nothing new from the beginning of the book to the end of the book. It's all we are to obey the commands. Verse 8 and 9, it says, Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness. Obedience shows whether we are in God or not, whether we're walking in light or walking in darkness. And then verses 10 and 11, loving our brother is proof that we walk in the light. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and always walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. If we're in the light, there's no reason for stumbling. Wednesday night and last night, we slept at our new apartment. I needed a light on in the hall to shed some light in our bedroom because the bathroom in this bedroom is in a different location from where our bed than the last one. Now with the light, I was able to see where I was going. How many of you have ever rearranged the furniture and then tried to walk through the room in dead darkness and you trip over and bump into things? Well, with the light on, it reveals where everything is and you don't stumble. But if we don't have the light of God's Word, if we don't have the light of Jesus, then it says our eyes have been blinded by darkness. If we hate our brother, then we do not know where we are going because we've been blinded by darkness. Let me wrap this up in conclusion. This message is important for three reasons, I believe. It's important because there are some people that confess or profess to be Christian but are not living in obedience to God's Word and have no desire to do so. I've been in churches that I knew there were people there just because they were businessmen and the church was a good place to make business contacts. And that was their whole reason for being there. Other people go to church because it's expected of them in their family or their tradition or their culture or wherever they're from. I grew up in church. I had to go. If I wanted a bed to sleep in and food to eat, I went to church on Sunday. Any of you guys, you know, grow up like that? 
And then it wasn't until after I really gave my heart to God that I wanted to go to church. Brother Rick, I kept waiting this morning during the song service to feel my mom reach over and pinch me on the back of my leg because I was acting up. Because I grew up in a very traditional church and we sang the, the hymns and you didn't do anything wrong. I mean, if you even clapped off beat. I mean, I'd come home after church and my leg would be black and blue up and down because I was squirming or wiggling or something. But that's not why we go to church. That's not why we read the Bible. John says, you're not a Christian, friend, if you don't obey the Word of God. Come to grips with it. Realize that you need God's grace. If you're not obeying it and you don't have a desire to obey it, ask Him to give you that desire so that you can know Him in a deep, intimate way. You need His saving grace. The second reason this message is important, because some people who are Christians wrestle with the lack of assurance because they are not perfect. Any of you sometime question whether you're even saved or not because of something you did? So John would say to you, I'm not asking for perfect obedience to God's word. I'm asking that you look at your heart and answer the question, are you keeping God's commandments to the best of your ability? And then this message is important for a third reason. It's important because it reminds us that we cannot keep God's commandments in our own strength. We have to rely on the power of the Spirit of God to be obedient to His Word. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We can't live this Christian life. We can't obey the Scriptures 24-7 in our own strength, in our own effort. Because I don't know about you, but my flesh, Brother Matt, is weak. There's just something about that last piece of cake or pie that looks so lonely. Why should it just sit there all by itself? I could eat it. You know, and, and your mind and your spirit's going, well, you just ate one 10 minutes ago. Yeah, but that one looks so lonely. You know, the Bible says the spirit is wheeling, but the flesh is weak. We can't do it in our own strength. In my own flesh, in my own strength, I want to sleep an extra 10 minutes, get in the car and put the pedal to the metal and get to church as fast as possible. 
But that's not keeping the commandments because in here it says obey the laws of the land. See, if we try in our own flesh, if we try in our own strength, we will always fail. But if we rely on God and ask Him to help and put our, hand, our life in His hands, we will be successful more than we fail. And when we fall, it's interesting the scripture says, and when you fall, not if you fall. When you fall, get up again and keep on going. I remember when our kids were little and they were learning how to walk. I mean, we didn't have phones in that you could take pictures and video. I mean, our phone was hooked to the wall. Any of you ever have a phone like that? <laughs> Kids nowadays don't know what that thing is. They see it in the museum. What was that for? Oh, that's this little thing you carry in your pocket now. But it was so cute when they'd take that first step. You remember? They took that first step, and then they stopped, and they realized what they did. And they look around, and what do they normally do? Boom. Right down. Well, when they fall down, you don't pick them up and swat them on the bottom and go, you bad kid, come on, keep on walking, you can do it. No, you pick them up, you encourage them, and then they walk better. Now, when they get to be about 21 and they take a step and sit down and want you to pick them up, that's a different story. That's when the Board of Education comes. No, not that old, but you know what I'm, what I'm talking about. It's the same way. When we mess up, God is there to pick us up. And when we repent, he forgives us and he encourages us and he gives us the strength to keep on going. To have a balanced spiritual life or to grow in God. Last week we talked about we must have love for the body of Christ, for the brethren. Today we're talking about we must obey what's written in his word. Be obedient to the things of God. And when we are, our relationship with him becomes stronger We want to be in his presence. Because I don't know how you are, but I know when I've sinned. I know when I've disobeyed. And I really don't want to come in his presence at that moment because I know what he's going to say. But what I've found is God is much more loving and much more merciful and full of much more grace than I am. 
And when I come to him with a truly repentant heart, he forgives me, picks me up, and helps me. And I believe I can honestly say today that I'm walking more in obedience now than I was 44 years ago when I met him. Amen? I hope you can say the same thing, that you are walking in more obedience today than when you first met him. If not, if you are slipping back into old ways, spend some time this week and ask God to help you walk in his ways. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. And may you go from this place with the peace that passes all understanding, ruling and reigning in your hearts. And may you ever be mindful of the Word of God and allow the Spirit of God to empower you to be obedient. And Father, we just ask once again, that you would help us to be obedient sons and daughters to your word. In Jesus' name, amen.